To God be the glory. Welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church in Anniston, Alabama, and I pray that you are all blessed by the presence of God's Holy Spirit and that you can feel that Spirit's presence with you today. Remember that this coming Wednesday, starting at 6 p.m., we will begin our Lenten Bible study on Zoom. Each week, we will email and text you the link to that Zoom meeting so you can join in. So if you aren't on our list and would like to get that information, contact me directly if you have my, inf- uh, my, my, my phone number or through the podcast as soon as possible. Or you can contact us through our website, which you can find the link in the About This Episode information. So like in our sermons, we will be exploring the wonders of God's grace. Grace is the gift of forgiveness of sins offered to us, even though we did nothing to deserve it. Grace is an act of love on God's part, and it is something that we can have simply by accepting it, by accepting Jesus as our Savior, and by doing our very best to follow Jesus throughout our lives. So in our humble and joyful worship, let us celebrate that grace and the precious God who gives it to us by singing our hymn of praise, Alleluia, Alleluia. comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 14, 1 through 4, and 10 through 12, and from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. From Romans, welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, And those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat. For God has welcomed them. 
Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister, or you? Why do you despise your brother or sister? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. And from the Gospel of Mark. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Now this week we begin our Lenten sermon series, which will run through March 21st. Our theme is God, Godspell, and Grace, an exploration of the purpose and beauty of grace, first given by God, then given by us. Inspiration for the series is from the Broadway play Godspell by John Michael Tebelak and Stephen Schwartz and Surrounded by Grace, a Bible study for Lent by Bill Thomas. Now, Godspell is a musical written in the 1970s by a Jewish playwright who read the Gospels and was taken with Jesus and his message. After visiting a Christian worship service and being struck by how bland it was in light of the joy of the gospel message, he decided to write the play to reflect what he saw in the first books of the New Testament, to reflect the joy that he saw, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew. Well, in the late 90s, when I served as a youth director at Peachtree Christian Church in Atlanta, Georgia, I worked with the kids and helped the director as they prepared their performance of Godspell. After months of rehearsing, we then took that play on tour and performed it almost every day for a week. Because of that, I thought I was fairly familiar with the show. So imagine my surprise when I borrowed a script a few weeks ago and found a whole scene that was completely new to me. Apparently, it's been left out of some performances, even the Broadway version and the film that is you can find on Amazon Prime, even though it's been in the script from the very beginning. The scene in question is at the very beginning of the show, the first thing to happen, and it is wonderful. Socrates, Galileo, Thomas Aquinas, Jean-Paul Sartre, Marianne Williamson, and even L. Ron Hubbard take turns speaking their philosophies and beliefs. 
One after another, they speak over and over until they're speaking over and on top of each other. They start literally wrestling to get on top, to be the loudest, the smartest, the wisest, the most important, the one who is right. Eventually, they've created for themselves their very own Tower of Babel. Then, just when you think things are their worst, John the Baptist enters at the back of the theater singing this. As he walks toward the stage singing, the philosophers and religious leaders forget their arguments and climb off of one another. Peace descends upon the chaos on the stage and they can't take their eyes off of John and they can't stop listening to his message. As he sings, you can almost hear the Apostle Paul saying, welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarreling over opinions. It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall, and they will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each of us will be accountable to God. the Lord is good news to all people because Jesus is the embodiment of God's love. He is grace personified. There is a reason the pronouncement of the coming of Christ brings peace to the chaos, the chaos of people needing to be right, needing to be smarter, needing to be on top. Grace canceled, cancels out those sins and grace is given to anyone who chooses to kneel before God, to repent and to dedicate their lives to Jesus. I think the reason that first scene in God's spell speaks so profoundly to me right now 
is because it sounds an awful lot like the very disorienting and disillusioning noise we're hearing in the world today. Don't you think? Until recently, I have walked through life with a very optimistic view of human nature. Truly, I've thought without question that most people were essentially good and that a combination of godly love and a solid, reasonable explanation of the truth would eventually bring everyone around to a place of love or kindness or, at the very least, understanding. But I think that the events of this past year could, if I let it, easily cause me to chuck that theory right out the window, don't you? As I've watched and read the news, as I've watched politicians and religious leaders alike fight viciously just to be right, just to win, as I've seen my neighbors flat out refuse to comply with basic safety measures, often for selfish reasons, sometimes for what seemed to me as irrational reasons, as I've watched unarmed men of color get gunned down, beat up, and strangled to death by certain bad apple police, and then watch the system circle the wagons in an attempt to protect those officers. As I've watched heartbroken, grieving, horrified people protest such unnecessary violence while fringe hate groups like Antifa, the Proud Boys, and the KKK, they show up just to create chaos. As I watched American citizens attack their own Capitol building while being egged on by a handful of our elected leaders, well, let's just say that I've developed a new appreciation for the enormous power and generosity of God's amazing grace. I've contemplated the amount of love that God must have for us when I've weighed the value of that grace against the abhorrent behavior of my fellow human being as of late. To say that God is good is painfully understated. God is not good. God is overwhelmingly amazing. And I'm struck by that fact when I'm faced with the reality that I'm often not capable of extending that kind of love and mercy and forgiveness to people that I see doing and saying the things that I've seen them and heard them do and say in recent years. And I wonder what kind of overwhelming love God must have for us to have saved us at the cross the way he did. Jesus died for everyone, after all, even for the soldiers who beat him, tortured him, and nailed him to that cross. And the fact is, human sin hasn't changed one bit since the day that Jesus died. And all of us humans are just as much in need of grace as we ever were. Paul said, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. I think my greatest sin of late has been passing judgment upon my fellow human beings whenever I see them do something that I think is wrong, or whenever I hear them say something that I think is crazy or uninformed or cruel or whatever. And I'm especially sinful when, I'm being, when I begin to delude myself into believing that I'm somehow better than those people, you know? That for whatever reason, God must love me more because I'm not as bad as them. And suddenly I realize I've become like the Pharisee Jesus warned us about, 
and I fall to my knees ashamed of my own pridefulness. And I can hear John singing again, prepare ye the way of the Lord. The fact is, Jesus had to be born. Jesus's ministry had to happen. And Jesus had to die. And thank God Jesus was resurrected because our own sins have too much of a hold on us without him. Jesus's presence in the world means that we have hope of shedding the burden of these sins once and for all. Not because we did anything ourselves to wash us clean of our sins, because we're totally incapable of such a thing, but because God chose to cleanse us through the sacrifice of Jesus. The thing is, once we see in total clarity how broken our world really is, once we see the need for grace, we can then begin to truly appreciate what a gift it is when it's given to us. Grace is like air provided to a drowning person. Grace is like water offered to someone lost in a desert. Grace is like a last second reprieve for someone on death row. Grace is at once life-giving and life-saving, and I don't want to imagine our lives without it. Do you? This sermon series is all about grace, and it's many, many wonders. But to truly grasp the miracle of grace, first we must acknowledge the need for it. We must understand that without grace, we would be doomed to wallow in our own sins forever. Without grace, we would steep in our own judgment, our anger, our greed, our pride, our desires, and our hate. We'd steep in all of that for all eternity. Without grace, we would have no hope of dwelling in the peace of the Holy Spirit or basking in the love of God. Yes, we need grace so desperately, and in his infinite love, God has given it to us in the most generous way. It is the season of Lent, a time of preparation as we walk with Jesus towards the cross. Prepare your hearts and your minds for the love of God and accept the gift of grace that's been offered simply because God loves you. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and accept the grace that's being offered. Amen. Listen now to the musical meditation from the Broadway play, Godspell. Listen as we play and sing, God Save the People. Save the people. 
Think of a time when you wronged someone and you needed their forgiveness. Did you get it? If so, what did it feel like when that person looked at you and said, you are forgiven? We're okay. For me, it gave me an unbelievable sense of relief. My relationship with that person was restored and I got my friend back. Before they had forgiven me, I had to live with the fact that I was responsible for the rift between us. My actions caused that person to withdraw from me and not want to be near me anymore. It's a terrible feeling. But worse than the feeling of remorse was the reality that I missed my friend terribly. So when that person finally forgave me and our friendship was mended, it was like the sun had come out on a perpetually rainy day. So if that's what it feels like when a human being forgives us, what must it be like when God forgives us? God is the one who gives us life, who gives us, who guides us and watches over us, who comforts us in all situations, who heals us when we're ill, who speaks to our conscience and who lifts us up when we are weak. When we do something to damage our relationship with God, when we sin, the loss is immeasurably greater than when we harm a relationship with a loved one. And the forgiveness that God offers us when we repent is infinitely greater than anything we might experience in other situations. When you come to this table to eat the meal prepared for us by Jesus, our Savior, give thanks to God for the gift of grace and revel in the love that God pours over us the love that was, is represented in the bread and the cup. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and blessed it and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Please pray with me. We give thanks to you, O God, for your love. We give thanks to you, O God, for your grace. 
We give thanks to you, O God, for restoring our relationships with you. We give thanks to you, O God, for making us whole. Amen. Come and eat. The body of Christ, the bread of heaven. The blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Join me in the Litany of Remembrance, which you can find printed in the About This Episode segment of the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Blessed people of God, in your asking, you have been forgiven in Jesus' name. Your relationship with God has been restored and you have been made spiritually whole. Walk in God's grace, never taking it for granted, and give thanks to God for loving you enough to die for you. As we go from this place, let's sing together our hymn of sending forth, How Firm a Foundation. Oh! 